Welcome to Live in the Messiah's Love. I'm Kimisha Lucier, one of the senior pastors of A Day of Prayer. And I just wanted to welcome you uh, to this podcast and say thank you for being here. I'm glad um, to have this time with you to discuss the Word of God. And, um, you know, I look forward to taking the, to having the opportunity, should I say, to equip you for the life God has for you. And that life is a life of victory. Um, I told you before in one of the previous podcasts that I hate the works of the devil and I thoroughly enjoy destroying those works. And that happens, um, just like the Lord Jesus said, um, that's written about him, that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And for me, that means that you will have liberty because there's nothing like being free and enjoying the freedom that our covenant relationship with Jesus provides. So, you know, I just want to share with you as much as possible, the things that God shared with me, that he taught me, that made me free so that you can enjoy that same freedom. Today, I want to talk about, uh, communication in marriage. That is sometimes hard for um, people to partake in, even believers. And there's misconception about how it should take place and what it actually is and how best to go about it. So there's the side where, you know, people want to, um, I'll say bully and be really forceful about their perspective and their communication. And then there's the other side where people don't communicate at all. They're just quiet and silent. Um, thinking that if they just say, you know, bury their head in the sand, everything will be okay. And then there's some components that, you know, some people are just quieter than others and just their normal temperament. And some people are more, um, engaging or outgoing in their temperament. And, um, you know, this is not something that is solely related to marriage, but it absolutely can be applied. Um, sometimes because we think marriage creates a different, um, dynamic and it, and hinder or it, it inhibits our communication with each other. Um, but this actually can work across the board, um, as far as how do we communicate God's way, um, and bring about reconciliation in what we're doing versus a tearing apart. So for this, let's look at Acts chapter 15. Um, and actually before we get to that, we have to lay some groundwork, um, just to kind of change our perspective. When we are in relationship or just existing in life, people are around us and they are humans. In the marriage covenant in particular, sometimes we forget the true identity of the spouse that God assigned to us or that we're married to. We forget who they are, really who they are. And we want to see them only as our spouse. You're my spouse, so I can, ex you know, dot, 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 dot. You're my spouse. And that's where their perspective is, but it doesn't lend itself <clears throat> excuse me, to a, an accurate, um, perspective. And it, it can oftentimes make communicating, especially God's way more difficult when we don't realize who they actually are. So we're going to look at a, a fun, a fun <laughs> part of, uh, Jesus's ministry while he was here in the earth and the natural. And we're going to look at some things and what the Lord had to say. So Luke chapter 20, we're going to start by, um, background reading on verses 27 through 33. And I'll just read it to you. It says, then some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came to him and asked him saying, teacher, 
Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies, having a wife, and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her as wife, and he died childless. Then the third took her, and in like manner, the seven also. And they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as wife. So you can see there's, um, you know, they're in context, they're trying to bring Jesus into a, a trap. But of course, he's God, right? And he is being led by the Holy Spirit. He's fully God and fully man. And he's being led by the Holy Spirit to impart wisdom to us here and bring light to not just what they're asking, but light to the entirety of our situation. The word of God is written, it is inspired by God and is written for our education, if you will. It's written for for sound doctrine and it's written for correction. Reproof is what the, the scripture says, that we can bring ourselves um, to alignment with it. We can have a firm foundation based on what's written here in the God and the word of God. And we can correct our mentalities and our ideologies when they're out of alignment with God's order or with God's divine order. So Jesus has an answer for them. And it's strange to what they were expecting, I'm sure. Uh, Verses 34 through 36. And Jesus answered and said to them, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So in this this passage, the Lord is bringing clarity and defining something that the the people of the day didn't understand. So being married and given given in marriage is a um, is for people who have human flesh. It's not for our final outcome. And at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, all the way through, your husband is actually your brother in Christ. And you are his sister in Christ or your wife. She is your sister in Christ and you are her brother in Christ. Even that this even applies to your children. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, why is this an important perspective to have? Because you, 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 we read along with the Sadducees, they felt a sense of entitlement and ownership to the woman versus respecting her as God's creation. Now, this is not a feminism message. I am not a feminist and I don't even support that kind of mentality or ideology because it's ungodly. But I'm telling you what the word of God says so that we can see each other the way he sees us. God's divine order is to be respected and to be appreciated. God made man the head of the household. And by man, I mean husband. Husband is the head of his household. Wife is subject subject to her husband, but not because she's a lesser vessel or invaluable, any of those other kind of things that have been propagated throughout centuries and time. She is respecting what God has already said into alignment. But that's not what we're talking about today. It's really the understanding that you are brothers and sisters in Christ. Therefore, you are equals, which is 
what the Lord said here in verse 36 of Luke chapter 20. Nor can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. So that proves to you, and he countered that, when I go to heaven, I'm not going to be my husband's wife. I love him and I appreciate him, (laughs) but I'm there to see Jesus. I'm all about Jesus and I'm not going to have any other authorities under over me. It's just going to be me and God straight up, right? And it's going to be him and God straight up. He's not going to have to be concerned about me as his wife. He's not going to be, we love each other. Absolutely. But I'm sorry, nobody compares to Jesus. And trust me, my husband is well aware. We both know that. And honestly, I would be offended if he loved me anywhere remotely close to how much he loves God, because he would do me a disservice and himself as well. So let's also look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me pull that up so we can read that. Because there's more information here that's key that we need to see and understand so we can get God's heart on what things are and how he means for them to be carried out. Uh, verse 24 says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Then comes the end when he, that's Jesus, delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power. Well, we know that the dynamic of uh, in, within a household, within a marriage covenant is husband and wife. They are to stand together, but the husband would be considered more like the older child. He has an, a, an accountability to God concerning his family, and he has an authority that comes with it because that's what God said. And there's nothing wrong with that that doesn't take anything away from women. It is actually a blessing because God only does things that are good. So I don't need to be offended by that. I'm not offended and I don't need to wrestle against it. I embrace it and I appreciate it. And I'm still the woman that God wants me to be, that he created me to be. And I'm subject to his divine authority, his divine order that he set in place. But who we are in the revelation, if you will, or who we are in heaven is who we started out as. So that's who we actually truly are. So realizing when I talk to my husband, I'm not talking to someone that I can demand or that I can um, feel like I can take liberties to disrespect or disregard him, but he's my brother in Christ and we're equals. And him likewise talking to me, we're equals. Now, if we're equal with the angels and if we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, then we're equal with one another. While one of us has, we have different accountabilities to God, we still are equals before him. And the Lord lays that out very clearly. So with that being said, if you take that mindset in your communication, this is my brother, this is my wife, I mean, my sister in Christ, who's my equal, let me come to her based on that or come to him based on that, you'll find that your heart and your temperament is a lot less demanding, it's not self-centered, and it's actually more malleable and ready to hear and receive from the Lord what he would have to say. Now, um, back to our, our main scriptures, I wanna look at Acts chapter 15 and verses six through 29. I'll, I'll summarize what was happening here and I would love you to go back and read it yourself. In Acts chapter 15, um, verses 6 through 29, there was a a problem with the new church, the first church. And there were certain people, they were coming to Christ, but they were going out and telling um, new believers that they had to be circumcised um, and 
trying to make them keep the law of Moses to enter into the salvation that is through the name of Jesus Christ and that is by grace. Well, um, Paul and Barnabas were like, no, that's not right. And they, they defended the pattern that God had already set up and were not going back into legalism and they weren't willing to put the other people under bondage, the the new believers, if you will, under bondage to the law of Moses, because the Lord didn't actually say that. He didn't say that was a part of the salvation in Jesus Christ. So, um, you know, they went back up to Jerusalem to the, meet with the, uh, the other, the apostles and the elders and bring it, you know, like to settle the, the matter. And what they did was take time to come before the Holy Spirit. They, they took the time to listen and hear what God had to say about it. And through that method, they were able to solve the problem that they were facing and bring peace to the situation. Now, how does that apply in marriage? Okay, we just set up that your brothers and sisters in Christ, not lording over each other, your equals, right? The Lord will judge the husband based on what he holds him accountable for. The Lord will judge the wife based on what he holds her accountable for, but as a son and daughter. So, right, if if my children, I have one son and one daughter, what does that make them? <laughs> Siblings, right? Okay, brothers and sisters. So, in that regard, if we look at each other after the spirit and not after the flesh, and we take that that um, approach, we can come before God and say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this situation? It's not about me being right over her or she being right over me. It's not me being right over my husband and or him being right over me. It's not about my flesh, but it's about what is your will, Lord? And when these people came together, these believers came together and um, sought the Holy Spirit, the Lord was allowed to minister and to provide his answer. And he proved it out what his answer would be. And then everybody was allowed to go, okay. So also something that is important, you know, in the marital dynamic is realizing that it's not I'm the man, I'm the boss, I'm the woman, I'm the boss. It is Holy Spirit is the boss. Now I know because I am physically a woman, you might be taking that with a grain of salt going, oh, you're just trying to la la la. But no, if you ask my husband, (laughs) he would tell you, I am, I absolutely respect who he is. And I absolutely respect the authority that God gave him as the head of my household. And At the same time, he respects who I am because we understand that when we depart from this physical body, we are not going to go stand. I'm not going to have to go through my husband to meet Jesus. I don't have to go through my husband now, but I'm not going to have to do it then. So if that's who we are, when we take off this natural garment, then that's who we are now. If we're willing to see it, if we're willing to receive this word of God and plant it in our hearts and we're willing to walk in that, that's that's fleshly to want to lord over, right? Here's Jesus who is Lord of all coming to the earth, not to be served, but to serve. And he took on the form of a servant and welcomed us who are clearly less than into joint heirship. And that's not only for males, it's for females as well. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So there's something to be said about this is even how our King teaches us. This is how he treats us. So when we take that dynamic in our household and we stand to go, okay, let me hear what my brother in Christ has to say. 
and not trying to approach as one who is ruling over him or trying to, um, I like to call it right on the top of his head, you know, and dominate him, then I'm more likely to get a good outcome than if I try to take it into my own hands. And I can have full confidence knowing this anytime I seek the Holy Spirit to be the the decision maker versus me doing it in my flesh or my husband doing it in his flesh, I know that I'm going to get a good outcome. And when you respect that God is literally your heavenly father and Holy Spirit is here to literally guide you in every aspect of your life, then you'll realize that he's here to also bring peace in your covenant, the natural covenant that you have that represents a spiritual covenant, right? The marital covenant to bring peace and harmony in that. And peace doesn't mean pleasantries and niceties because those are worth very little, but the peace of God that passes all understanding that will guard your heart and your mind, that will guard your relationship with your spouse, that will guard your relationship with your children. You know, that that's something that is a part of what the Lord has taught me through the years and what he showed me about my children so that I didn't treat them harshly thinking they're my property, but instead realized that this, this young, this young woman that I'm raising, this little, little girl to young woman to now, um, you know, adult woman that I raised or my, my teenage children. Yes, they're my little babies. Yes, they came from my body, but they are not mine. They belong to the Lord and they are his sons and daughters, just like I am. So I have an obligation to treat them like he wants them to be treated. And that's obviously with love. And every time I give him the opportunity to come in and have his way, and I'm asking, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to handle this? Even down to how should I perceive this? I'm seeing these symptoms, if you will, and I'm not talking about sickness, but I'm seeing these behavioral things. I'm seeing these decisions being made. What do you say about it? Even with my husband, what, tell me what he's actually saying. Cause I know what my ears hear and I know what my flesh would love to take and do with this, but I'm not going to give it a chance. I want to know the truth, Lord. And I want to hear what you have to say on the matter. And anytime there is a, a discussion on which way is right, which way are we supposed to go or, um, what decision needs to be made. Or even when we disagree about something like that's the absolute best time, (laughs) We come before Holy Spirit and, you know, there are times where we'll stop the conversation and just go, Hey, let's take some time to hear from the Lord. Sometimes we just stop and pray right there. If we, if you know, that's what the Holy Spirit is leading or other times we give ourselves time to go and hear from God. And then we come back and go, okay, well, this is what I heard from the Lord. Would you hear? Oh, you heard the same thing. Okay. All right. Well, Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) He is the King of our marriage. So therefore, he is the one who has the final say. He gets the last word. And guess what? When I'm not trying to get the last word and my husband's not trying to get the last word, we have peace with one another. And I don't need to pay him back later. I don't need to get him back later because he he won a com- an argument or he got over. And No, it totally takes that away because I am fully submitted to the Lord, my God. And my husband is fully submitted to the Lord, his God. Jesus was his Lord before he met me. Jesus was my Lord before I met him. And so I am willing to obey, like, you know, just being honest as a human being, I'm more willing to obey God than I am a human. (laughs) It's just the truth. And the Lord knows how to speak to me. 
So the Lord has a better opportunity to get his way in my life than any human does. And likewise with my husband, I don't have to try to badger and persuade him. I don't have to try to convince him that I'm right. I let the Lord do. And it's convincing of is God, what, what God wants is right. What God wants is right. So the Lord said this, so that he's right in this situation. And he'll say, the Lord said this. And I'm like, okay, well, he's right in that situation. And it brings so much peace. Now, when you're dealing with unbelievers, if your spouse is an unbeliever, you're saying, oh, well, that won't work for me. Yes, it will. When you're submitted to God, you take the approach that Paul took in Acts 27. Let's, let's go over there. And you'll also find when you just know the truth that you are you and your spouse are brothers and sisters in Christ, the whole Bible becomes a lot more applicable to you. Places where you're like, well, that's not talking about marriage. That's not talking about marriage. Now you can find scriptures that will actually apply that are more than just a couple because you're seeing the entire word of God. You're hearing the whole counsel of God and the fruit of righteousness is having a chance to come to bear and to um, fruit in you. And that's just such a blessing. So in Acts 27, um, Paul is on his way to Rome. And um, he was prepared to get in a ship. And, you know, he had already said, it doesn't look like it's going to be a, a good a good time. But because he was with unbelievers and unbelievers that were under command, they insisted on doing something that was foolish. And he was not just left to whatever end in that. God stood by him. And in verse 10, um, this is how he spoke to the, um, the people that were traveling with him to take him um, where he was to his next stop, going back to going to Rome, where the Lord had already declared that he would go. And he said, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. So in this, in this account, you know, the first time he was worked with other believers saying, you ask the Lord, I ask the Lord, let's ask the Lord together. Right. And that's an absolutely scriptural and biblical approach that you should take in your relationships and in your, especially amongst believers, but in your marital relationship as well, because we just, we already know that at the end of the day, that's who we are to each other. We're sons and daughters of the most high God. Therefore that means we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But this centurion that he was talking to or the people that were sailing with him weren't believers. So he couldn't say, you need to ask the Holy Spirit about this or go ask the Lord and don't, don't use that language. You need to, because that's not good. Um, <laughs> that brings irritation. Ask. Um, he couldn't say that to them because he was not talking to other believers who had an accountability to God. But what he could do was offer wise counsel. And when they wouldn't listen, then it was time for him to seek the Lord on his own and go, Lord, I need you to intervene in this situation. And if you read through that, you notice that he wasn't blustering. He wasn't bullying. He didn't lose his cool and his temperament. He didn't start um, railing against the people or um, mistreating them. He did say, well, I, I did say this before, but now this angel is standing by me. Now God is here on my behalf and you're going to have to listen to what the Lord is saying if you want to survive. But the Lord is still there for you, even if you're married to an unbeliever at this time. And he can still work in the situation, but it does take you seeking the Lord from a place of humility 
standing on the fact that God is your Lord. He's your God and he will help you, but also walking in love toward your unbelieving spouse and giving them an opportunity because even the hardest of hearts, God can get through. He can break through. But if you see him, even though he's not yet a believer as your brother in Christ and not as someone who is your adversary or not as someone who's slowing you down or any of those kind of things, if you have those kind of negative um, thoughts about an unbelieving spouse, you don't need to. God can reach anybody, anywhere, anytime. He's a good God. So intercede and then let God minister in the situation on your behalf. That's the same thing like if you're um, working in a secular environment and you cannot say, let's go before the Lord and seek his counsel. You can always seek the counsel of God. And then you ask him to intervene in the situation and you humble yourself and only say what the Lord tells you to say. Now that's the same on both sides in communication with marriage, whether it's with a believing or unbelieving spouse, only say what the Lord tells you to say. Cause when you start talking outside of that, you're liable to get in trouble or start some trouble. But if you leave it to that, and you let God in, you release the Holy Spirit to come into your marriage and to communicate between you and to help you in that. He will absolutely do it because he's faithful and your God loves you. So key takeaways from this, come before God to hear what Holy Spirit has to say. If you and your spouse are both believers, see your spouse from the right perspective. You're equals. And this is a son of the most high God or a daughter of the most high God, treat him as such. And if they're sons and daughters, that means you're equals. If they're a son or a daughter and you're a son or a daughter, that means you are brothers and sisters in Christ. I know it's probably going to take some time for that to sink in because you've not probably heard it that way before. Um, but it is the truth. And as you let that melt your heart, it'll make it so much easier for you to communicate and to do it from a place of love, but also a place of submission to the Holy Spirit. And if your spouse is an unbeliever, still seeing him or her in that way, and then inviting Holy Spirit in to help you communicate and to minister whatever needs to be done in case that someone is is resistant to listening to wisdom coming from you, that's okay. God is a big God and he's a great God and he can handle it. Well, I hope the word of God encouraged you today. I hope you got something out of it and you are strengthened and better equipped to communicate with your spouse from a place of love and patience, guided by the Holy Spirit. Um, take a moment, share this episode with someone if you think it'll be a blessing to their life. And thank you as always for um, joining me for these podcasts because I really love being a part of your life. I just want to bless you in the mighty name of Jesus with peace the goodness of God and the favor of God and the mighty name of Jesus. Remember to live your life from the Messiah's love and have a wonderful day. God bless you. Mm-hmm.